Do you want to talk about Pliny the Elder? Oh, I fucking love Pliny. You know I, I love know Pliny. I know you love Pliny. I just stumbled across something. Pliny had some things to say about transgender people. And I thought you, what? given your interest in Pliny, you might want to talk about that a little bit. Whole, I had no idea about yeah. this. Was he feeding them snakeskin or something? <laughs> Tell us about Pliny first a little bit. You actually have way more knowledge about him than I do. Yeah, so Pliny the Elder was a Greek philosopher and physician who had the most batshit crazy cures for uh-huh. things. We have to keep in mind that this is during the time of the four humors. You had black bile, green bile, your melancholy, all this. And he would be like, okay... So you're coming in with, you've got some pain in the groin. So what I'm going to give you is you're going to mix up together some piss from a cockatiel and a stone that you found in a warty swamp, and you're going to mix those together and then drink it. It's like real life, when you think (laughs) about cartoon witch potions, that's what Pliny was doling out to folks. Eye of Newt and... He is my goddamn favorite person to look at in history because it's indicative of what we were doing in medicine where we just didn't know what the fuck we were doing. And so it was like, I don't know, this helped someone. And that's it. It's fun to make fun of it now, but actually the work he was doing was really important to initial science. He actually wrote the kind of first encyclopedic work around, he literally called it natural history, which was just sort of his observations of all things botany and zoology and mineralogy and health. And he ripped off Aristotle a lot, even though he didn't really, he, he really was not did. as smart as Aristotle. <laughs> but Also, can I just say, I fucking hate Aristotle. You if you want to blame anyone, if you want to blame anyone for the entire construct of masculine feminine kind of bullshit it's aristotle fuck aristotle he can go fuck up i think that actually then segues pretty well into sort of how (laughs) pliny talks about and it's this is just one paragraph in natural histories and i'm going to read it to you and then i want to talk about it the transformation of women into men is no fictitious story we find in the annals that in the consulship of the i'm not going to try doing the greek too much here but there was a girl in her parents custody at cassinium who became a boy at the order of the forecasters he was deported to a deserted island licinius musenius who was another famous roman person recorded that he personally saw at argos a man named arscon who had received as a baby the girl named arscuska she married a man then grew a beard developed masculine attributes and subsequently had a wife he also saw a sumerian boy oh yeah go ahead sorry that one i'm wondering if that is like pcos or something and it just aligned with that person's gender identity to become a man or to be a man in society you don't become a man (laughs) maybe you do i don't know i never was one let me read the last two sentences here because I want to talk about that. They also saw a Sumerian boy who experienced the same change. I myself saw an Africa person who turned into a man on her marriage day. The interpretation of this <laughs> is that <laughs> Pliny the Elder, with his own eyes, was watching people transition just in front of him. One, at one moment, she was a girl, and then all of a sudden, she was a man. And that was Pliny's sort of interpretation of this whole idea of being a transgender person. I This tracks so much for fucking Pliny, and I love it so goddamn much. Pliny 
is batshit crazy, y'all. Also, looking back at this with modern medicine understanding, right? Of course, nobody was just, boom, I'm a man now. But I think what you can interpret this as is the minute that she married, she started to be recognized as a man. And I think that's more where we can lean into this. I am by no means a translator or even an understander of Greek philosophy um, and Greek history. However, I think that that is probably an interpretation that we can draw from that. And two, keep in mind as well that this was an interpretation of um, someone in Africa that Pliny had seen where there Mm -hmm. were less in certain cultures, less gender binary. So you might see in a traditional ceremony in a certain tribe in Africa that there is something about that particular ceremony that would have led Pliny to believe, hey, the transition happened here, and before my very eyes, this person (laughs) became a man. Which I find very fascinating, because we're talking about a guy who had no basis, no foundation to understand any of the things he was witnessing. No, he really didn't. He was an idiot and (laughs) simultaneously a genius and i got and he is my favorite human i've ever heard of if you want a fascinating afternoon go listen to go read about Pliny the elder and if you want to learn more about Pliny the elder we have to recommend the podcast sawbones which is where i first heard about him and that is an amazing podcast they talk about Pliny a lot on sawbones and then i think there's a full episode dedicated to here's the bizarre medicine that Pliny (laughs) and yeah so i just thought you'd be interested there's more for us to dive into with roman society Society and transgender practices, because we actually have talked about this a little bit, the male-born priestesses of Sibele, we did as a cold open in the past, but there's a lot of interest in Roman Empire, and once again, we just have to reinforce the fact that being transgender is not a new thing. Yes, as we've also talked about, like, trans people have existed in some way, shape, or form throughout history, like the Hijra people of India, or the male-born priestesses, or this is not a new concept, and if Pliny the Elder is writing about it, you know that it's got a real rooting in history there. And I love that they were able to blow his mind. <laughs> Hi, I'm Anna, a transgender person with a very sore voice. And I'm Cam, your dad. <laughs> and this is The Transgender, a podcast chronicling my transition. And a cisgender man learning how to support it. Why is your voice so sore today? Yeah, I had the best concert experience I think I have had last night. My partner and I, Andre, friend of the show, <laughs> researcher of the show, went to go see Janelle Monet live in Minneapolis. It was incredible. And I screamed and sang and enjoyed myself so much that my voice today is shot. <laughs> That's acceptable. That's about the queerest concert you can yeah. go to. <laughs> It was great. If you're not familiar with Janelle Monet's music, please. They are a non-binary person and really gay, really amazing, soul-filled music also, that we love. Just shout out, had the entire concert in tribute to Prince, Yo, which was really sweet. Yeah, uh, Janelle Monet is probably the best example of Prince's pro- protege that we can see. And it was just really sweet. Just a great human, great concert. Loved every second of it. I love that. We do this at least twice a year where we apologize to the audience <laughs> that you've, you've not heard from us in a little while. The transition from summer to fall is always a full time for us. We want yes. to give some life updates, though, because we just have a lot going on right now and we want to let you know what's going on in our lives. A lot of exciting things, honestly. Yeah. As some of you may know, Kim has transitioned jobs 
which was into the summer, but is now settling down in the fall here. Starting I to finally feel like um, I understand what I'm doing. So if you hadn't heard, um, I did do a, a lot of uh, in, interesting information about my new employer, but I now work for Gender Justice, which is a legal advocacy organization based in St. Paul, Minnesota. It, starting a new job is always a big learning curve, and adding that onto all the other things I do in my life has just meant a lot of busyness over the last few months here plus all the prides that we were at we were at oh my god so many prides pride festivals this summer. <laughs> and then trans joy fest as well so it it was yeah. just a very full summer so thank you for bearing with us we were really lucky that we had a lot of guests this summer so we were able to get some episodes published yeah. and hey thanks for stopping by and saying hi to us if you saw us at pride events that was pretty awesome oh it was so great to see all of you we do this Somewhat because we love to hear ourselves talk <laughs> and listen to each other. But also, we do it mostly because we love seeing and hearing your reactions. And that's really why we do this. So thank you for coming and saying hi. You have something speaking, big and yeah, new. Yeah. Speaking of like major life changes. So I quit my job, which was taking up a lot of my time. And am back at school now. <laughs> Filling your brain with knowledge. I'm consuming it. <laughs> Yeah, no, if you don't already know, I have a background as an EMT, really enjoyed helping people, found my niche in mental health crises, and so I decided to go back to school to become a social worker. I will probably graduate in three years here, hopefully, <laughs> and then my plan is to move on to my master's in clinical social work. And one so, of your professors we've had on the show before. Yes. Dr. Nomi Ostrander. Go listen to that episode. They're great. Fantastic human and friend of the show. So we do have a couple of exciting things uh, coming up that we're preparing for as well that I think is uh, good for everybody to know. We are going to be doing a live show for the Minnesota Council of Nonprofits annual Woo! conference, which just happens to be in Duluth this coming year, which is convenient for us, obviously. <laughs> we're really excited for our guest for that. My colleague at Gender Justice, Jess Braverman, who is a non binary person uses all pronouns and is a former criminal defense lawyer who made a name for themselves in fighting corruption in the police force and then moved over to gender justice and has been the lead on a number of our major cases litigation that we've been able to do and we're really excited to talk to them about their life experience and gender rights in the state of minnesota i have to say as someone who has not met this person but has heard a lot about them i am so excited to meet her and and discuss theory and law and everything with him on stage at the MCN conference. It's going to be so much fun. And just a huge shout out to the Minnesota Council of Nonprofits. One thing that we do that I don't think a lot of people think about is we do do trainings and live podcasts and other sorts of opportunities like that. So if you have any opportunities like that that you want to send our way, please do questions at transgenderpod.com. We'll definitely take a look and our speaking fees are fairly reasonable. Mm -hmm. It's the biggest place that we want to get into more. We love to share this information out. And we have some other smaller workshops and speaking engagements coming up here. But truly, think of us for your next big opportunity. We'd love to be there and talk about our take on gender. Yes. Also, fun little side bit here. I am going to be speaking on the Women in Leadership Conference for the Duluth That's Chamber right. of Commerce coming up. Do you like to save money? I know I do. That's why I've started using Upside. 
Upside is an app that gives you cash back on your everyday purchases. I personally save up to 22 cents per gallon on gas, and there are deals for up to 30% back at restaurants. And if you use our offer code, you can save an additional 15 cents per gallon on your first gas purchase and support the transgender while you're at it. Just go to Upside.com to get the app and use offer code Cameron six three four. Nine three six. That's C A M E R O N six three four nine three six to get fifteen more cents off when you fill up your tank. Make your dollars go further with cash back from Upside. Really excited about that. If you are at all in the Chamber of Commerce, heading to this Women in Leadership conference. Go check it out. I'm going to be speaking on a panel. I'm really excited. There are a lot of really cool folks on it. And a lot of folks who I know in our community are going to be speaking and talking at it as well. Our chamber has taken a socially progressive stand that I never thought I would see from a business-oriented organization (laughs) like that. They've had us come and speak on some other trainings before, but this is like a big deal. They really were looking for a lot of diversity on that panel, and you will bring such an important perspective. Oh, thank you. I'm very excited. I can't think of any other life updates. We've uh, exhausted them. That's all right. Now you know what's up with us. Yeah, honestly, y'all, we just have to say thank you again so much for being patient with us, for accepting and loving all of the guests that we bring on. Weirdly enough, it's a lot easier for us to schedule guests than it is for us to schedule <laughs> to ourselves. Do a regular podcast. <laughs> it certainly puts the pressure on to be like, all right, we gotta make this happen no matter how busy we are. So, But as things are settling down, coming into fall and winter, our hope is that we can get podcasts out to you, just the two of us, more consistently. Yeah. We know that you love our dynamic as well. And honestly, we have a big stockpile of questions, which thank you, Cam, for compiling these questions today. I'm excited to read through them and answer them. Me too. I guess given our normal format, why don't I throw the questions out to you and then uh, maybe you can get rolling on answering them since most of them are directed specifically at you. I love it. I love it so much. And just a reminder, send your questions at transgenderpod.com or click the chat with us button on our website. You can do that as well. Let's start with a question from Autumn. Autumn says, I am a 16-year-old, male to female, recently starting my social transition. What is the best way to alter my wardrobe to fit my identity better? Where do I start? And can I keep anything from my old wardrobe? This is a multi-layered question, and I'm going to tackle it like Shrek would, peeling it <laughs> apart in layers. And I'll make waffles. And I... <laughs> So I guess where I want to start is where do I start? The middle of this question. Where do I start with my social transition? Try out names. Try out pronouns. See what fits. See what feels good. People are going to be frustrated, but that is their own problem. I do not care about what people say. Or Yesterday they were going by this and today they're going by this. Fuck them. Fuck them. You get the room Honestly, to experiment yeah. <laughs> and find the right thing for you. Now, this makes me think, Anna, you did a lot of that online initially, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I did, yes. I tried out a bunch of different names for some Anna lore here. The first name I chose was Chelsea. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I See, but here's the thing. You did because we chatted about it in the car one day when it was raining in Duluth. And I remember this distinctly because oh, you were like, you know what? Chelsea? Vaguely, I do remember that now. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, brains are funky. Yeah. But yeah, no, in no world would I ever consider myself a Chelsea. Sometimes it's just trying that out. And sometimes you'll find the name that you love and it won't fit you forever. Right. That's totally fine too. So that's where I would recommend starting with your social transition. I also love the idea of 
changing your wardrobe to fit your identity. Unfortunately for a lot of people, this is a place where snags can happen because it's really hard to just completely redo a wardrobe if you don't have funds. Yeah, exactly. If you're 16, you maybe don't have a job or you're not making a lot of money. Your parents are making a lot of your wardrobe choices, maybe still or at least going with you. We didn't have any money, but I mostly just gave you a budget (laughs) for shopping. Yeah, but... I also got a lot of clothes from my friends. Yes. Was part of it as well. And then once I was working consistently, I bought my own things, yeah. mostly from Hot Topic because that was the phase I was in. <laughs> but <Been> there. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. So, what is the best way to alter my wardrobe to fit my identity better? That is such a subjective question. And I wish I could give you a really good answer. But the best way to alter your wardrobe is to find your style and start changing out pieces as you can. That's something that I'm currently going through. My wardrobe is filled with a lot of clothes that I was trying to experiment with because I didn't know what my style was. And now I'm trying to slowly move those pieces out in exchange for pieces that I will actually wear and enjoy wearing. For me, that's a lot of flowy, tight-fitting, goth clothing. (laughs) Or Renaissance-era clothing. But for you, it might be floral dresses. Or it might be, I really love to wear leggings. Or it might be anything like that. We had a um, anonymous message from someone uh, who just said that their euphoria was taking um, some more masculine clothes and t-shirts and cutting them to fit their style more. Mm-hmm. I imagine that's creating some crop tops or just you know, changing the fit of some clothes. That's a great way to start, too. Like, I've done that with my clothes <laughs> before, yep. too. I'm just like, I hate this pair of pants. They are now shorts. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that has been an extreme take for some people. However, like, it is also something that you can do, especially if... If you have any sewing experience, you can alter clothes to fit you. You can cut clothes up and make them fit you as whatever. Just also be aware that sometimes you may not understand all of what is going on in your caregiver's lives. You're 16, and if you destroy your clothes and you can't wear them anymore, it might be really hard on your caregiver. So just be careful with that as well. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. And then can I keep anything from my old wardrobe? Absolutely. I still have so many cool shirts and pants and shit from my old wardrobe. My favorite is a Adventure Zone shirt that we got when we were in Chicago. Yes. I still wear it occasionally. It just doesn't fit my style all that much anymore. But no, you can definitely keep things from your old wardrobe. Style is everything. You can wear high-waisted pants and a old t-shirt and it will look like you are just a woman wearing a vintage t-shirt or something it's really up to you we have some episodes too where we make fun of a couple of wiki house but there's actually some good nuggets of adding an accessory to something or throwing a belt on over a t-shirt or trying some suspenders on some like there's lots of different ways to take the clothes that you have right now and just use a cheap solution in order to make it a little more your style yeah here's the other thing i love my blazer that i have and i will sometimes just throw it over a t-shirt or something because it feminizes the outfit and it makes it look real professional and like just good so maybe that's it too finding a jacket or something that you can throw over it to make it look a little more dressed up and professional or whatever your style is maybe it's a jean jacket that can dress it down and you'll be able to find something like that from goodwill or savers or there's again we're not talking about big investments either you don't need to go to jc pennies and buy a thousand dollar new wardrobe (laughs) for yourself 
that's maybe eventually that's where you want to get to. But I think it's much safer and a better fit for you to start experimenting now with some different things to see what works. I hope that answers your question, Autumn. And thank you so much for sending it in. Our next question is from Raven. I fucking love the name. (laughs) Name buddies all the way. My question is concerning my family, particularly my grandparents. They've pretty outwardly been confused by the idea of a non-binary person and struggle immensely with the concept of the pronouns involved. Some have outwardly stated that they couldn't use they, them pronouns for one reason or other. They aren't phobic. Okay, <laughs> we'll do yeah. that. But are just very confused and distressed by the whole concept. Is there any way I can help them understand? I'm not out to a lot of my family, and I just want them to be able to respect me when I so, do. So this is a really challenging thing, and it's something that I recommend a lot of trans folks do, which is testing the waters. And I, I did this with Cam, and I did this with my, my birthing person, and I did it with quite a few friends, which is, hey, what are your thoughts on this thing? Or, hey, this thing came up. I'm wondering what you think about it, or anything like that that and it sounds like you've already been doing some of this and i really want to drive home that phobia doesn't necessarily mean hate it can also mean under misunderstanding and it can mean an inability or a yeah like a willful like a willful uh, inability to to try to do that this sounds like people who are just unwilling to even try using those yes. pronouns. We hear this all the time from really phobic people of they, them is about pluralism and has nothing to do with your identity. And it's what do you call somebody if you don't know what their gender is? It's so bizarre to me. Also, as a plural system, no one knows how to use multiple plural they, them for people. It, nobody knows how to do it. It just doesn't work for most people. Some people do get it. So yeah, so they, they've they been pretty outwardly confused by the idea. I am wondering exactly what that means. But for what I have seen, it is how do I refer to someone as a they, them? Or how do I, what does non-binary even mean? We've got man and woman and right. all, all of the classic transphobic talking points. Again, I'm not necessarily saying that your parent, that your grandparents are transphobic. Right. That's not, I don't know the whole situation. And again, you're not, we're definitely not saying they're hateful because it sounds like they're not yes. being that to you. But, but. Part of it is that they need to make that, they need to have that willingness to change and to learn. And one thing that you can do is keep presenting the idea to them of, hey, I met this really cool person. And then when they ask, oh, what are their pronouns? Or, oh, who are they? Or whatever. You can be like, oh, you use they for them. You don't know what their (laughs) pronouns are. So that's... That's a really great way, and it might come off as confrontational, but I think that there are ways to do it effectively of, oh, I was talking to this person, blah, 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 and you're like, oh, what is their name? And just using they, them, and really emphasizing it, like, oh, that's really cool. I want to know more about them. I want to experience their company, something like that. Yeah, teachable moments are so huge. Yes. And especially... My worry in a lot of these scenarios is part of the resistance comes from what they're hearing in the media. And I don't want to pigeonhole older people into the Fox News going audience, but that is Fox News's primary audience. So even if they're not being indoctrinated into the real bigoted hatred, they're still, oh, this is a phase that kids are going through right now. And don't bother taking any time to learn the new language because it's just being forced upon us. I have also seen that kind of same rhetoric from the New York Times and from... Huff Post, Thank even. You, yes. And I, even if they aren't in that, like, 
the whirlpool that is Fox News and the conspiracy bullshit, there is some that can be present regardless. However, I've also seen a lot of stories of grandparents who are unwilling to make that change until a grandkid or until a kid or until... Something like that changes. I watched a really interesting video last night where it was a trans man who wasn't out to his grandparents. And so when he answered the phone that when his grandma was calling, he said, hi, it's Courtney. And his grandmother said, oh, but it isn't Courtney, is it? And allowed him the space to come out. Oh, and like there are really good ways to go about that. And she said, don't take it personally. If I call you Courtney, I'm old. I call all the grandkids Courtney. So it's like there does also have to be some room for growth on your end too of accepting and allowing that. And I know that you're really worried and it is a really worrying thing and cutting people off, especially family members, is really hard. However, there have been really good situations where people haven't had to cut off family members because of it. And it sounds like you really want to to educate. And again, I, I just want to reiterate what Anna had said. We find that these teachable moments are a lot more effective than sitting your grandparents down in front of a PowerPoint and <laughs> giving them. There are times and places for that as well, but truly just being yourself. And we know that also people tend to move and become more actionable, like Anna said, when they know somebody in their lives that is experiencing the thing that they might be struggling with. And so the more that you're able to say, hey, this is who I am, this is my identity, and these are my pronouns, and then gently correcting is the other part of that. If you're being mispronounced, giving that little, oh, it's they, so that eventually the hope is that they'll get there with you. Our next question is from Luna Grace. Thank you, Luna. Thank you, Luna. I was wondering how did you know you were transgender? How did you have the courage to come out as a woman? And can you offer any advice for passing as a female in public? And this also related to a question that we got from Gideon. This is a while ago. So sorry, Gideon, it's been a bit since you sent this question in, but (laughs) I thought I'd throw it in here. I'm a person who's debating my gender identity and don't know who I am. I wasn't trans early in my childhood and don't know what it feels like. And it just mentally hurts me to not know. And I felt like there was some combination here. We've talked a lot about you knowing you're you were transgender but those next steps and that courage and that really feeling like, okay you know what i know this about myself and now i can come out to the public what was that like for yeah, you? yeah so i want to start off with the beginning of this question and answer gideon's as well which yeah. is i was wondering how did you know you were transgender and the answer to that is i didn't <laughs> i knew something was wrong right. when i was younger and something felt off and it felt wrong and then i got the language when I was around 12, to accurately describe what my experience was. And I didn't fully know what my gender identity was until I was maybe 20. And even still, I'm not entirely sure what all of my gender identity is. So it's an ever-growing process. But I will say, I knew young that something was wrong. That isn't to say that everybody knows that something is wrong when they're young, or that everybody has the wording to say that they are transgender. I will say that is a common experience that I have heard, but I have also heard of people who have said, I didn't know I was trans until I was 40. I didn't know I was trans until I was 60. I didn't know I was trans until I was 85. I've heard all of those stories, and it is a-okay, and it is perfect, and we love you for coming out at those older ages as well. Gideon, you're a person who is debating their gender identity. I don't know who I am, but I wasn't trans in my early childhood. You may be trans now, and it's okay to look into that and try and wrestle with it yourself. And the mental pain of not knowing can be okay. 
it can be okay to struggle and to say, I don't know what is going on. I just want to feel better about myself. And so trying to take steps to feel better about yourself. You don't need to have your gender identity figured out to start dressing more as you want to. I want to dress as a faith princess in the fucking woods every day. <laughs> and you that are doesn't a have... princess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ex- thank you. But that doesn't necessarily mean that has to be a part of my identity. It happens to be, but I could just want to do that. I could camp. Is blue hair a part of your identity? It is now. <laughs> it is now. But it doesn't have to be. And yeah. so finding those pieces that help you feel more euphoric is really what I want to help you find Gideon. And Luna, same situation. How did I have the courage to come out as a woman? I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I do. The answer is I didn't have the courage to. I was about to commit suicide and had to take that step. Yep. And I don't want that to be the experience for anyone else. I want it to be a safe space where people don't need to have courage to come out as a woman. Just have the opportunity to come out as a woman. Have the opportunity to come out as trans. Because they won't need to have courage because they'll just be accepted. And right now, what that may be is finding a group of people, finding your found family of people who really do share the same values, share similar understandings, and will support you. In these questions, I hear a lot of binary, and it's one of the things I found really interesting because I think where we've gotten to in the two years we've been doing this podcast is a place of wanting people to think more fluidly about gender. And it's not just you're going to be more masculine, you're going to be more feminine, but I want folks to really be thinking about if you feel like you are hardcore femme or hardcore mask and that's your identity and that's totally okay. I'm not saying not to be those things, but I think when we're questioning and when we're trying to find the place that we are in our gender. It doesn't have to be the difference between choosing to be a woman or choosing to be a man. That's the most fun thing. And it actually has really influenced me, someone who, as we've talked about on the podcast, has really... (laughs) dug into my own masculinity and I'm totally okay with how I was assigned at birth. But also, I'm starting to express myself a little differently because I feel way more comfortable with the fact that who cares? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. The idea of being a man does not actually matter to me at all. The blue hair looks great. Thank you. Your makeup always is fire. There are ways to express yourself that don't have to fit into the binary. Right. Or if they do fit into the binary, they don't have to match the gender that you are assigned or the gender that you're going to or whatever your gender identity is. I can't tell you how often I want to just dress like a masculine fucking badass. (laughs) Just put on my blazer, put on some suit pants and fucking head out the door and be like, oh, fuck yeah, my boots. Stomp your way through life. (laughs) Like there are times where that is acceptable on there and that doesn't necessarily need to match my gender identity. There are also times where... I want to be a prissy little fucking princess and dress in beautiful flowing gowns and do my makeup all fancy. And that's also okay. Also, sometimes I'm a goblin. Like today, <laughs> I have leftover makeup from last from the concert last night. I'm wearing a sweatshirt that I just threw on. I'm a goblin today. And that's totally okay, too. Yeah. Can you offer any advice for passing as a female in public? Confidence. Yeah. Just be confident in who you are and what you are and everything that you do. If you walk with confidence, people are going to look at you and be like, that's a hot woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the lesson that I've learned in my now almost four years of transition is be confident and be a fucking hot woman. That's all that there is to it. And confidence isn't just something that springs forth from you because you're wearing the the right clothes, whatever that means. Exactly. Confidence is something you're going to have to practice and you're going to have to find yes. the right combination of things about yourself that make you feel confident. And then I think it's that self-affirmation 
situation, which I always feel funny about because <laughs> I think there's a lot to it. And I also feel like maybe there's an over-reliance and that's the answer. If, <laughs> if you're not feeling good about yourself, just look in the mirror and yell that you're great. Like, maybe that works great for some people that never worked great for me. What worked great for me is walking out the door and saying, I'm going to pretend <laughs> today yep, yep. to feel a little different than how I do. And that slowly transitions into more of a feeling of, okay, you know what? I am feeling confident today. And actually, it's funny. We keep talking about my blue hair. I felt so weird the first time that I went out <laughs> as like an adult man with colored hair again. Of Oh my God, I'm a freak in the world. Like I, I forgot what that feels like. <laughs> It just took a few weeks before that was completely gone out of my brain. But yeah, we all go through that. I mean, I will also say that there is sometimes always that period of, oh, I'm a man in a dress. Right. Or, oh, I'm a man in whatever. And it takes time and it takes effort to overcome that thought and to overcome those feelings. I have to say, sometimes I still feel that way. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling really dysphoric today. I really hate how I look. And I feel like I am just a big person in a very slim and body slimming outfit and that's also okay like i'm not saying that confidence is something you have to radiate or ooze every day of every minute of that's exhausting don't do that to yourself either yeah like it's okay to be a goblin and be like today i'm a goblin accept me for who i am because i'm a goblin today that's also totally okay i love that so i hope that those help both gideon and luna thank you both for sending in your questions Our last question today comes from Tom, and this one felt a little more complicated. Tom has expressed that they are a cisgender person, and they're trying to be more supportive of their the, the kiddos that are in their lives. So Tom says, Lately, my daughter has been dressing more like a boy and goes by a boy's name and has brought up to her mom about doing surgery. When my girlfriend told me, I asked, why did something happen? She said, no, it's that our daughter doesn't feel pretty enough as a girl. I want to be there and support her, but she has not done any of the steps to get there. Any advice on where to go and where to start? And I liked this because I think that Tom's heart is in the right place here. And I know that they're a listener of our show, which I really appreciate. Thank you. But maybe let's unpack some of the language that was used in this particular statement. Yeah, I want to unpack the language. And then I also want your perspective, Cam, because you are the parent of our relationship and I I want to understand what your thoughts are immediately. But first, lately my daughter, if that is how they are presenting, if that is if they want to say I am your daughter, I use she her pronouns, call me by this name, but that doesn't mean that I'm not your daughter anymore. Totally okay to use daughter. From what it sounds like, we may be talking about a trans man. And that gets a little bit more complicated of if this person says that they want to, and and the reason why I'm using, sorry, the reason why I'm using gender neutral pronouns is because I don't know what the child wants me to use for them. And so I am defaulting to a neutral stance of gender neutral. And if your child comes to you and says, I actually don't want to be your daughter anymore, I am your son, or I am your child, or I am a fairy princess sorry that's just where my brain is at today (laughs) or i'm a goblin (laughs) that just understanding and respecting that and you don't necessarily need to know what all that means or what all that entails but just being like okay i support you today or for however long until you tell me you're my goblin cool and being really open and accepting of that i also want to tackle the language of boy i don't like that way of talking about gendered language boy man girl 
woman. Like, those are not great ways to talk about the language that we're using. And I'm not trying to attack you, Tom, and say, do better, learn better language skills or whatever. But I want to use this as a learning opportunity to say, when we are talking about people and their expression, we should be using the terms masculine, feminine. Yeah non-binary sometimes and i say that because what is a boy name what is dressing like a boy there's really no one set definition for that and also it in some ways that feels degrading to some people in no way do i think that we should be talking about people in terms of boy or girl and even in some cases man or woman like i am a woman but if someone were to be like oh that person is dressing much like a woman today i'd be like what does that even mean (laughs) and there's a language component to this as well regardless of all of that what kind of surgery is this person talking about is it surgery that is available for their age category is it surgery that maybe is gender affirming for them i don't know i don't know your child i don't know your relationship to your child but start asking and thinking about those questions as well and I'm not entirely sure what when my girlfriend told me I asked why did something happen. It something doesn't necessarily need to happen for a person to want to transition. And some people just want to feel different. Maybe your child says that they don't feel pretty enough to be a girl or a feminine person, and so to change that they want to have breast augmentation or maybe they want to have breast reduction to fit more with the masculine type. I don't know. But those are all things to be thinking about as well. Yeah, it sounds and, like Tom needs a lot more information here yeah. in order to be the most supportive that he can be. Exactly. And so this is for everyone, not just Tom. But when situations like this arise, be thinking about those questions in the background. And don't immediately default to, oh, they're a trans person. Yes, That is a stance that you can take. But my preferred way of looking at it is, oh, what are the situations that are causing this? What are the thoughts and processes that are getting this person to this spot? And in this case, it seems I don't feel pretty enough to be a girl. What does that mean? Why don't you feel pretty enough to be a girl? And so, Cam, I want to ask yeah. you, what are the advice? What is the any steps that you would offer to Tom as a parent to a trans person in the spot knowing what we've talked about? Yeah. Aside from reiterating all the advice that you just gave, which is all super important and I think has become part of my philosophy because you've taught me so well now, the couple of things that really struck me about this, again, Tom, just the fact that you listened to our podcast, you wrote in, your heart is in the right place. So there's no criticism here. It's just you're going through a lot of the same things that I went through when I was first learning (laughs) how to talk to Anna about all these things. There also is a similarity here, which I think is very interesting, which is the co-parent game of telephone that you are having. Uh (laughs) That uh, does not help these situations become any clearer. Because when you have a kiddo who might feel more comfortable going to their birthing parent or your girlfriend or you about a different set of issues, everybody in a co-parenting relationship gets a little different perspective on their child. And that's great because I think that more adults in people's lives who are healthy and safe and can be supportive is a wonderful thing for kids. And I grew up in a co-parenting situation and Anna grew up in a co-parenting situation and I have had multiple co-parents with my children over the years. There's a lot of benefits to that sort of scenario, but this is a 
really great example of where it can be really challenging because what you're missing is a direct piece of information from your child about what their identity is and what they're interested in for potential surgery someday. And you also mentioned they haven't done any of the steps to get there yet. And Mm -hmm. I think that might be coming from listening to our podcast and hearing that we recommend social transition and hormone therapy first, especially for minors, because that's the only thing that's available to to minors uh, to begin Mm -hmm. with. And if you're saying that your child is interested in transitioning and needs to go through some of those early steps, that's fine. The context that you're missing is they might also be interested in hormone therapy and social transition and some of the other pieces for sure. So I agree with you that the jump isn't immediately to surgery. And if your child is coming to you and saying, surgery is what I need in order to feel more comfortable with my gender identity, that's a longer conversation and that involves doctors and therapists and a lot of other things, which is great because that also arms you as their parents with a lot more information because in the right medical hands, hopefully you have access to that, you're going to learn a lot in that process and so will your child too. Again, I think the biggest thing, drilling it all down and going back to what Anna had said here, from the parent perspective, you need to have a candid conversation with your child. And I think that might start with I'd be really careful about this. It depends on your relationships. But hey, your mom told me that you had some conversations and I'd love to just have that conversation more directly with you and get to know what you're interested in. Probably the better angle would be, hey, I've noticed that you've been dressing more masculine lately. Is there anything more I can be doing to support you in what you're trying to do with your gender? And depending on where this kid is at in their lives... Depending on your relationship with them, they might just throw the middle finger up to you and say, leave me alone. (laughs) Don't worry about what I'm doing. And that's fine. Then drop it. Don't press it. Let your child figure out their identity and come to you when they're ready, if they're ready. And I think, too, your relationship with their birthing parent, with your girlfriend, having conversations about how to be more supportive of your child as they're finding their gender identity is probably the next best thing. And really, clearly you want to understand and learn more and be more supportive. Sharing what you learn and sharing your understanding and acceptance with the people who are also co-parenting this kid in whatever ways you can. It would have been so great if I had an opportunity to be like, okay, Cam, just sit down and talk with people about what gender is. Yes. And you were still learning at that point, too. And like, it wasn't necessarily a great situation for that. But there are ways to go about this. I would also go, there are other ways to talk to your child that don't necessarily involve directly asking them. Being like, oh, hey, I read about this really cool trans man today. Do you want to hear about it? And telling them about a story about a trans man. Or being like, hey. Try to do it in a way that you don't sound like a narc, though. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That is true. Hey, kids, have you heard about (laughs) trans men? (laughs) (laughs) Or other ways to show your acceptance being... (laughs) I'm going to share a funny story. So the first time I went to travel down to my partners in the cities, Cam decided the best way to show his support and care was to leave a condom with a note out (laughs) on the counter for me. Yeah, I think I'm pretty fucking funny. Yeah, it was hilarious and also the most awkward thing I have ever seen in my life. (laughs) I don't know what you're into, but be safe. (laughs) (laughs) There are ways to go about it that are funny. And maybe this is depending on your relationship with your child. But I found it hilarious, really uncomfortable, but hilarious. And I can laugh about it now. Ultimately, we don't know what your relationship is with your child, but there are ways to go about this in any situation, any relationship that you have with your child that would show your support. 
if your child does give you the middle finger and they just want you to back off and be like, continue educating yourself, continue learning. And if they then are seeing that and wanting to come to you and talk to you, or if they don't, like, that's totally up to them. It's all up to the trans person in, in your life. Truly. Thank you, Tom, for sending this question. In, and I hope that your child is able to figure out their identity. Is there a gender euphoria you'd like to share with us today? There is. This week's euphoria comes from Ivy, who says, I'm 31 years old, and I started taking HRT about a year ago. Listening to your podcast has helped me a lot. At my last job, I would listen to your podcast, including yours, and I'd ride public transportation home in a bright pink or green or yellow flower dress. My greatest euphoria is flower dresses. I also recently bought a pair of retro roller skates in a women's size. They fit me, and I love to cruise around with my little dog. Ivy, I'm so happy to hear this. I love it. Every aspect of it. You sound like you're living your perfect 70s dream. I absolutely love it. So awesome. keep living it. And thank you for the gender euphoria. Would you like to support our show? You can purchase. I, I would. Oh, yeah. Excellent. You know what you can do, Anna? <laughs> you can purchase a shout out. Shout outs are an opportunity for you to talk about whatever. Uh, you can do a happy birthday to a friend. You can promote your business or podcast. It's an opportunity for us to give you some airtime for our audience of over 100,000 listeners. And uh, you can do that by going to transgendapod.com and click on the shout out button. Woo! Shout out. You can also support the show by becoming a patron on Patreon, like Maria. You can become a patron over there and get some cool work perks and really support the show. All of you are fantastic. Also, I haven't shouted out in a while. Come join our Discord channel. Oh, yeah. We've got a small but active community in there. You get Discord perks on our server for being a part of our Patreon. You do. You, you get can... your own access to channels. Also join our Patreon at the free level, which allows you to get some of our updates. I don't update very often, like once a month there, but uh, if I saw that there were more of you that signed up for that, I might throw some more incentives out there. I've made some pretty cool wallpapers based on some of our stickers and things, so check it out. Also, keep an eye out. We might be pro- posting more blogs soon, yes. and if we see an interest in that, we may post even more blogs. So keep an eye out like those keep sending us your feedback and if you have questions about transitioning or supporting someone who is transitioning and you'd like us to talk about it on the show please shoot an email to questions at transgendapod.com click the chat with us button on our website or dm us on social media also be sure to check out our episode description for links to resources on today's topics not many maybe (laughs) the minnesota council nonprofits. yeah Yeah, plenty of the elder (laughs) yeah we always have stuff in our episode descriptions we may even throw an easter egg in there once or twice so just keep an eye out and thanks for listening i've been cam i've been on and this has been the transgender love you all except the bigots